away. Hopefully they'll be here after the message and you can reconnect at that point. But in Mark chapter 4, there is the parable of the sower, where the sower goes out and he sows the seed, and there are different reactions, different responses to the seed being sown. The disciples, now this was a parable, and so for some people, the meaning could have been obvious, but to others, and probably to most, the meaning was hidden. And so Jesus' disciples asked him for the meaning to the parable. And this is what he said, beginning in verse 13. He says, then it says, then he said to them, do you, well, yeah, do you understand this parable? Don't you understand this parable? How then do you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word. Some of, some of the, excuse me, some are like the word sown on the path, some people. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. And others, other people, are like seeds sown on rocky ground. When, the word, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like other people, are like seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it, the word, becomes unfruitful. And those people, like seeds sown on good ground, hear the word, welcome it, produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. That's not the main passage that we're going to be focusing in on today. Actually, we're going to look at a few passages. But this passage allows me to communicate a pastoral concern um, for Solid Rock Church, but it's an observation um, about the season in which we are in. In this passage, we see that, um, verse 19, that the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things enter in and choke the word. Um, in verse 17, we see that when persecution or distress comes, um, because of the word, people fall away. My concern is that there is a sort of, and, and I understand this because I, I am not speaking from one who doesn't relate. I mean, I relate, as you will hear. But I have a concern that in this season that can be characterized by sorrow, that there can be a discontentment with God that leads to a discarding of the faith. And scripture makes it clear. <laughs> scripture makes it clear that this is not heaven. There are going to be sorrows. There's going to be grief. There's going to be pain. There are going to be seasons like the one we're walking through. And this kind of season, it's not like we're the only ones in the history of humanity that have gone through seasons like this. Believers have had to persevere through seasons like this 
since the world began, even Job said, man that is born of a woman has but a few days and they are full of trouble. That was his perspective. My, my desire is that some kind of way this message would help us not be overly sorrowful about what's happening in our midst or around us. That we will be able to, as Paul told Timothy, to, to t- kind of keep our head in the midst of chaotic times. This is, in my opinion, a, a sorrowful time. So I will define, uh, well, I'm not defining, I'm just telling you what dictionary.com says. So that's, that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> but sorrow is distress caused by loss, by affliction, by disappointment. It is grief, it's sadness, it's regret. Another semantical definition is a cause or occasion of grief or regret as affliction or misfortune or trouble. An expression of grief, sadness, or disappointment. To feel sorrow, to grieve. I don't want anyone to be overwhelmed by excessive grief. Grief. Grease either. It's not good for you. You clog them arteries, man. You know, just all of a sudden, don't no, let me leave that grease alone. That's why we don't even mess with lard anymore, right? You know, some of y'all don't even know what lard is. That's good. That's good. Don't don't want to know what that is. Don't want to know. Don't want to know. Don't want to know. But I don't want anyone to be overwhelmed by excessive grief, and then become disillusioned or discontent with the Lord and discard faith in Him. People will disappoint us as much as it lies within you, you know what I'm saying, like live at peace with them. It may be necessary to discard some people, but it's never necessary to discard the Lord. And so that is an understanding that we have. Yes, we may have to regard disregard things, but may we never, ever, 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 ever discard the Lord. So my desire is that we be able to engage sorrow because it's going to come, right? To be able to engage grief and sadness because it's going to come, but to be informed by the life of Christ and the call of Christ so that we persevere through the sorrow, through the suffering, and that when it's all said and done, we are just so, we recognize that he brought us through. On Thursday, the second, I was moving along with my day, and I got a text from my wife that said that my cousin lost his son. Son, 36-year-old. And, I mean, everybody, where I'm from, everybody loses people. So, okay, that, that in and of itself it's sad, but it's not disorienting. But what was disorienting about the text was that this cousin had just buried a daughter in March. And to heap that on just personally, the day before I got the text and the email from the rest of the family informing us um, was the anniversary of the death of my nephew who had just uh, the one-year anniversary, who had just, before his death, turned 18 years old. 
And that nephew is the son of my brother who buried, it was decades ago, but buried a son, has already buried a child. Yesterday, I woke up and do what we're not supposed to do, but many of us do. And what's the first thing you do when you get up, when you wake up? Huh? Phone. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I don't think we should do that, but that's what I did, right? My phone. And I saw that overnight, some tornadoes had ripped through some towns down south, and they didn't know how many people were dead, but the, the, the governor of Kentucky thought at the time that there were probably at least 50 deaths, right? In one night! Well, the est last estimate I saw was like 70. It's, it's, it's a season of sorrow. It is. stuff. Things are happening that are just unprecedented. And I, if, you, if you know me on Facebook, you see that at some point, I'm just like, man, it is not good to live in unprecedented times. It's not fun. You have stuff like, you know, floods happening in New York. It's never happened. New Jersey, Pennsylvania. We having 70 degree days in December, which you enjoy with a grain of salt. Because it's a season of sorrow. Oh, this weather's nice, but, man, it's not supposed to be happening now. Man, what in the world is going to happen? Lord, please spare us from whatever's coming. I don't know about you, but I, but I think that way. Now, we can, be, we can be comforted from Scripture in knowing that, as, as, as people summarized in a song that was out when I was younger, it was a gospel song, that trouble don't last always. Yeah, some people know that song. See, the scripture tells us, and you know this one, right? You know, the, you know this passage. You've probably heard it in the King James Version. But, um, so I'll just say it in the King James Version. Weeping may endure for what? But joy comes in the morning, right? So trouble does not last forever. Psalm 120, that was Psalm 30, verse 5. Psalm 126, 6 says this. Though one goes through weeping, carrying the bag of seed, they will surely come back with shouts of joy carrying sheaves. Which means that, yes, though we do not like the circumstances that we're in, if we are faithful to do that which we know to do, eventually there will be a season where we can shout for joy, where there will be fruit from our sowing seeds of joy. And as was mentioned up here, joy does not always equate with happiness. But joy can definitely help us to continue to run and to persevere in running the race that is set before us in times of sorrow. The passage that we're going to use to, 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 to be a springboard to look at the life of Jesus and to remind ourselves of the call of Jesus so that we will not stop running with endurance through seasons of sorrow is Hebrews 
chapter 12, verses 1 and 3, which you heard from me before the last time that I preached before to you. So we're going to hear from it again, but we're going to come at it from the aspect of looking at the life of Jesus and being reminded of the call of Jesus so that we can run with endurance the race set before us through seasons of sorrow. So you can either turn in your Bibles, pull it up on your app, or it will be on the screen. Hebrews verse uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 says this. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, which you have made. Thank you for uh, the gift of life, not just the gift of this temporal life, but the gift of eternal life, which hopefully for all of us helps us to persevere through the sorrows that are bound to come in this world. Um, I pray that you would please encourage us by your word and by the example of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, your son, to run with endurance through seasons of sorrow. Lord, may we not be overwhelmed, but may we remember that the darkest night of the soul was endured by our Savior in the garden and that he submitted his emotions and his fear, his disorientation to you, and he embraced your will for him. Lord, I pray that you would do what you will with us. Lord, there is no way that I can speak to each and every person here, but you know how to do that. And so I pray that you would increase and that I would decrease. And I pray that you would glorify yourself. I pray that nothing will be said untoward that is not in alignment with your word. If it is, may it be caught and corrected on the spot uh, by me, Lord. And if not, Lord, may folks just let it fall to the ground. And Lord, then I pray also that things that may may bother people, but it is according to your word. I pray that it would linger in their minds, Lord God, and that it would produce fruit for you that leads to uh, maturity for them. And not only for them, Lord, but your word says that the husbandman, King James says, this must be the first partake of the fruit. So, Lord, I pray that the person who would apply this the most from a human perspective would be myself. In Jesus' name I pray and I thank you. So this passage, which we looked at on November 7th, from the perspective of just like staying in the race and continuing to endure, to run the race with endurance, we want to continue that theme, but obviously, as already has been laid out through the perspective and the prism of the fact that there's going to be sorrow in this life and that this is actually a season of sorrow. And yes, scripture does, does comfort us 
But many people use scripture to comfort themselves, and some of whom may not even be walking with the Lord. So my desire is that we would look at and be encouraged at the, the life of Christ, not the entirety. Obviously, we cannot present that, but some snippets of his life um, to see how he engaged with seasons of sorrow. And when I say sorrow, I'm in, you know, that's grief, that's disappointment, that's regret, all, all of those negative things that we can feel that are not unnatural. They're not unnatural. They're not unnatural. They're not unnatural. So let's look at the life of, of Jesus or, or, or something that gives us insight into the light of life of Jesus, even by looking at verse 2. So obviously we're to keep our eyes on Jesus. Um, we, we mentioned in, uh, on November 7th that he's the, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, that our life is bookended by the grace of God. He's the one who started it. He's the one who's going to bring it to completion. As, as uh, Philippians 1, 6 says, So that's what he did for us. But the next few words let us know a little about what his mentality was. He says, for the joy that it says, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. So there in my reading, in my looking at this, there seems to be there's joy that's before Jesus. So he's aware of joy. He has joy. But there's also shame. Like in the same individual. Our emotional capacity is complex. There are times when we can be very sad, like I was for my cousin and for my brother and for myself, because I love them. But as JP said, there can still be joy. But I think we live in a society, our current state, is it seems that people are overwhelmed by negative feelings. That if there's something negative going on, they're completely unaware of anything else that can inform the negative feelings. So they're only aware of or most verbal about what they don't like, how they're suffering, how sad they are. They want to know why they're this sad. And that's, and I, look, I understand all that. But, I mean, you know, we, I hope this is not just age, but, but at a certain age, you know, like you're not getting all the answers, man. Like it, that has to be okay. Like there's some, even if you work, if you work in the government or, or you've heard this probably on the movie or something, like there are things that just like some information is just above your pay grade. Like you, like you, like you are right for not knowing that. You just keep on running the way you're supposed to be running. You have everything you need to do what you need to do. And, and the Lord is the epitome of that. Not saying that he, he says, don't come to me. So I'm not saying that. I'm saying that sometimes when we come to him, it's going to be like Job. He may talk to you, but he's still not giving you answers. He's not telling you why. He's just revealing more who he is. And like we have to be satisfied and convinced that God is really enough. That, that our, our knowledge of who he is is more important than knowing why he did what he did. 
We have to trust God enough that, 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 that we believe that if we had all the information that God has, we would do the same thing. Yeah, when he doesn't answer your prayer the way you with the affirmative answer that you want, you should be rest assured that if you knew what he knew, you would come to the same conclusion. Yeah. We talking about God, not me. You might find all these things out about me and be like, man, I still would have did something. Okay, that's fine. I'm just Michael Dixon. I have a birthday and I'll have a death date. Not God. He's always been. He's wiser than our collective wisdom all put together at once. And he's better than us. He's good. Jesus said to the young rich ruler, there is no one good but God. So our collective goodness doesn't rise to the level of, of how good God is. And these are things to remember about him. But yet, when Jesus walked the earth, who is the, uh, you know, the, 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 he's the Godhead in bodily form, he embodies some joy and some sorrow connected to the cross. And he endures that. Yes, to glorify his father. Ultimately, that's his ultimate reason. But the byproduct is that we get to be reconnected or connected with God. So Jesus's life should help us, at least in the cross. This, I, 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 there was a song that we used to sing um, where we talked about how, how uh, in the cross, justice and love, they were like mingled together. It is possible in the human experience and modeled by Jesus that there can be joy as well as a sense of sorrow in one person. And the person is not crazy, not schizophrenic, he's not whatever you would use, whatever, uh, uh, you know, uh, clinical definitions you would use, it's not that. So he's not bipolar because of the, he's, it's, it's human. It's human. So if it's you, it's human. And that's okay. You're human. But you're not just any human. You are a child of God through Jesus Christ. So we do not process our sorrows as the world does, right? Even, even uh, Thessalonians tells us that, that we are not like the world. We're not overwhelmed by our sorrow. We have hope in our sorrow, right? So look, let's look at a, a way that's very much more clearly, in, in my mind, it's clearly a demonstration of Jesus embracing his emotion at the time, but not be, but, but, well, you'll see, John chapter 11. This is uh, the account where his friend Lazarus was, was dead, right? Remember, Jesus is uh, a few miles away from Bethany, and Mary and Martha send a word to Jesus that the one that he loves, which is Lazarus, is sick. So, hey, please come, come so you can do something about this. And instead of leaving right away, Jesus decides, you know what, I'm just going to wait because he has a plan, right? He has a plan. He has a plan. He knows what his ultimate plan is. So when he goes, when he comes to Bethany, he, he has a conversation with the sisters. 
And after the conversation, well, this is the, 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 what Mary uh, says to Jesus when she comes. Um, he spoke with Martha first. This is uh, John chapter 11, verse 32. It says, as soon as Mary came to where Jesus was, she saw him, fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Now remember before when Jesus is with his disciples um, and they're about to go to Bethany, um, he informed his, his disciples that Lazarus was dead. But then he also informed them that his, his sickness was for the glory of God, right? Or his, his death was for the glory of God, right? He, so he understood he had a plan. But look what happens in verse 34. Where have you laid him? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. Verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Now, he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He was aware that, you know what, I'm going there, I'm going to heal him. He wasn't like the champ is here. He wasn't like that. He embraced the moment. He embraced his emotions to the fact he was troubled. He was deeply moved in his spirit. He was troubled. He then wept because there was sorrow there. And he was sorry that his friend had to be dead at that time. He wept so much that verse 36 says, so the Jews said, see how he loved them. The rest of the passage goes on through verse uh, 44 to show that Jesus went ahead and he raised Lazarus from the dead. But my point here, so this, that's, this isn't about primarily, this passage is not about Jesus being in touch with his emotions, so please do not get me. I'm just saying an observation of what happened in this circumstance is that, Wow, man, Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. That's what the passage is about, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, right? But we see other things when we, along with that, right? We see that Jesus cares, that, he, that, he, that he's, he's, he's going to weep even though, even though, even though he has a plan. What a comfort that should be for all of us. That Jesus, the one who stopped Paul on the road to Damascus and said, why are you persecuting me? That Jesus who's so connected with his people that he tells Paul that he said, you're persecuting me. The one who has a plan for Lazarus's life and his death. Even though he's aware of that plan. He still weeps. As the plan unfolds. Don't you dare think that he doesn't care about your sorrow, that he doesn't care about your suffering, that he's just, you know, hard hearted and like just does not care because that couldn't be further from the truth. Those two instances, that road to Damascus and the, and, 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 and the conversation that takes place between the risen Lord and, and, and Saul and this shows us that Jesus, as a matter of fact, then doesn't Peter say that, that, that we should cast all our cares on him? Why? Because he cares for us, right? So, like, don't, don't you think that because I'm going through this or I'm going through that, that God has forgotten you. 
No, he has, you may not like it. I may not like it. There, there are some things in my life right now I do not like. But does God love me? Well, if I believe scripture over my feelings, and I'm not going to discount my feelings to the point where I'm going to act like I'm happy and I'm not. I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to let scripture inform my feelings that I know that the Lord is with me. His word says, hand over fist a, a few times that he will not leave me, nor will he forsake me. And passages like this let me know that you know what? He cares about my suffering. In Revelation, when the martyrs are like, hey, when will you avenge us for? He doesn't say, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. He says, you know, you got to wait a little while till your brother's who have to die the same way die. But there will be vengeance. He cares. He's aware. And he weeps with us. One of the songs lets us know that our tears are in a bottle. Jesus, he didn't just move past his emotions. See, I come from a society, from a, a, a time where, like, that's what you would do. When there was certain emotions you, you could give in, it was okay to give in to, but certain emotions, it, 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 you just didn't do that. Sorrow would be one of those emotions, unless it was, like, something you were prepared to take vengeance on. So you could be like, man, I'm going to do such and such and such because they did this, so, okay. But it couldn't be like, man, she dumped me, man. It couldn't be like, no, nah, you, you can't do that. You do that in your pillow at home by yourself, whatever. Um, you know, go out in the field at late at night. Ah! You know. Uh, <laughs> Why, God? No, no, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I've seen that on TV. I But we're not, it's not about being stoic and being like, you know what, I'm just not giving, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving in to my emotions. Or I'm not, well, no, we shouldn't always give in to our emotions, so no, we should not do that. But it's like, I, I, don't, I don't have emotions. Nah, because you, you, you're faking yourself out right now, if that's what you think. Cause, because Jesus embraced his emotions, not to the point where they controlled him, but he embraced them to a point, even when he knew that what he was going to do was going to bring much joy. And yet he enters into their pain in the same way that he does ours. Just we don't see him at the tomb. Like, we have to believe his word. But remember what was told to Lazarus, uh, the poor Lazarus, that, um, oh, my goodness, don't do that. I'm telling myself not to have a senior moment right now because I'm not quite a senior yet. <laughs> not quite. But I'm moving in that direction. So it'll come back, and when it comes back, I'll let you know. Um, but um, but Jesus, Jesus embraced his, he embraced his emotions. He, he, he embraced his emotions. He was in the, um, he was in the sadness, not only with Martha and Mary, but also with the others that loved Lazarus so much so that the Jews said, man, see how he loved him. Jesus, though, he didn't just embrace his emotions. I've already shared about my perspective of our current situation in terms of our emotional awareness. I think um, 
you know, we can allow our emotions to get the best of us. We can just give in to our emotions. But we see in the garden where Jesus is having some emotion. Matthew 26, 36 to be exact. It's looking at the life of Jesus. Then he came to a place called Gethsemane, verse 36, and he told his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, so James and John. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. There's that word. He's sorrowful, right? He's troubled. He said to them, this is what he said. He confesses it, right? He says, I'm deeply grieved to the point of death. Again, this passage is not about these are observations. These are things that happened. But the primary overarching is not recognize that Jesus told. Like, no, let's learn from the fact that Jesus told them that he grieved. But this, that's not primarily what this is about, just that caveat. But there's still something to learn here, right? So Jesus said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, Father, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. So this is a, 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 a snapshot of something that Jesus is going through. And we see once again that Jesus embraces his emotions, right? He's troubled. He has the sin of the world coming upon him, something he's never experienced before. And he's, he's sorrowful because it doesn't feel good. There's, there's a chasm. There's something, something developing between him and his father that has never, ever been there before. He doesn't just say, I'm the son of God. I got this. He takes some friends with him to the garden. He tells them, hey, I'm deeply grieved to the point of death. He doesn't keep it to himself and say, ah, I'm Superman. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. And he is bigger than Superman, better than Superman, right? More capable. But he lets them know. And he doesn't just let them know. He, did, he doesn't stop there. He didn't just say, all right, you know what? I'm grieved to the point of death. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorrowful. I'm troubled. I'm, it doesn't, he, didn't, he doesn't just do that, right? It, it could stop there. For, for some people, it stops there. It stops at telling their friends. It stops at making an announcement. It stops at a, a Facebook post. It stops at a, what are you feeling in the blank? It stops at something, but, but it does not include God. Jesus tells his friends, but then he goes and he tells his father. Right? He goes and he tells his father. He's going, it says, a little farther, and he fell face down and prayed, my father. I know what we have planned, but this, this is a new thing for me. Could you let this cup pass from me, please? See, we read it as a sentence. I don't think it's just a sentence. I don't know if you've ever prayed and, like, been in a place where, like, maybe it is one sentence, 
But that sentence is like pregnant. It's like you say a few words, you're moving along in the progression of articulating a thought, but you those words come slowly because there's so much behind each word that it's not just my father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. But it's what I did. What I said a few moments ago and how I said it. It's not easy to say, yet not as I will, but as you will. You have to get around to saying that. But one is possible, so that's how. That's one of the ways you keep. That's one of the ways you keep running through seasons of sorrow. Know that, like, it's possible to submit your feelings. Yes, I don't care what anybody tells you. It is possible to submit your feelings to the Lord. But as long as we just think we're like we're good enough telling your pastor or your, uh, not saying that you shouldn't. You should. You should. You should. You should. If you need to, you definitely should, and you can. Our doors are open. Our uh, our uh, phone numbers are, are like they are published if you know what the phone book is like people know our phone number so it's like you can you can you can you can hit us you can text us right I don't think anyone is well I know for me no one's ever and I doubt from Kurt no one has ever probably received a text that says it's too late you might not get an answer because it might be too late people might be too might be sleep but it's Hey, man, you know, it's kind of late right now. Like, why you text me? No, you, 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 you're not getting that from, from us, right? It's there for the using. But we're not the Lord. So it's not good enough to just tell the people who are on the horizontal level we must communicate vertically as well. And I would say, and this is, I'm not sure to whom this is directed, but the thought came that it's, it's also, if you've, if you've been in a place where you haven't been able to, to get your footing and you've spoken vertically, but you've not spoken horizontally, I would take that as a sign that you need to, in addition to speaking vertically, you need to involve some people horizontally as well. Because sometimes people are content to talk to God who they cannot see and who will not question you in a way that you can discern that is him. Like if the Lord is never, if, if well, no, I'm not going to get into that. That's a whole another sermon or probably a series of sermons. But I would say if the fruit is not getting you where, where you think you need to be and you haven't talked to people, human beings, like God probably has something through human beings to share with you. I would say that. I would say, you know what? There's a reason that um, that in John, in First John, he says, like, you know what? You can't say that you love God who you haven't seen and not love your brother, right? Uh, the the implication is like you can say whatever you want to say, you know, theoretically. You can say whatever you want about God. And like, who's, who can say, like, God didn't say that to you? 
So involve others so they can, they can say, man, you know, so that they can question that. So, again, I don't know who that was for. Um, again, you know, like I prayed, everything is for me, so it could be for me. But uh, um, we'll move along. This is the thing about submitting our emotions to God. Like, we're called to that, too. Ephesians 4, 26 tells us that we're to be angry and not to sin, right? That's what it tells us to do, right? So, so it's possible to embrace our emotions on some level and not do the worst of what those emotions can provoke. That passage lets us know that. So far, Jesus, the example of Jesus shows us that, that we've looked at so far. It shows us that it's possible to do that. Do that. We can submit, we too. It's not just Jesus who can submit his emotions to the Lord and come through seasons of sorrow doing that which was the will of the Lord, but it is us as well. We can submit our emotions to God because he tells us be angry and do not sin. So what do we do when we're trying to be, be embody that passage, when we're trying to apply that passage, when we're, when we're angry and we're trying not to sin, but, but, it, but you know, it, it, we, we, we love things that work, right? You know, when, the, when, the, when this wasn't working, we're like, hey man, what's wrong with this one? You know, it's like, what, what, what's going on? Things are supposed to work, right? Uh, even my grandkids, they be on technology. If something doesn't work, they can just get impatient. They start pressing hard like that's going to really fix it. And they, they start doing that and they start getting mad. They might even, like, catch an attitude, like, to the point of, like, like crying out like that man in the field when he lost his woman. I just said, oh, God, why? You know, they, they might even do that in their own way, like, <laughs> when it's not working. What do we do? Or, so far, Pastor Mike, we've looked at a few things. We see what you're talking about. But, but what does it look like in real time? I'm sorry right now. I'm sorrowful right now. So, let me caveat this. This is, Scripture does not prescribe step one. Step three, you're almost there. Step four, <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't do that. So that, this is where the vertical, excuse me, where the horizontal can be helpful. They're like, okay, mature believer, like, well, what do you do? What's worked for you? So I'm, I'm just, so that, that day, that Thursday the second, what did I do? I got the text, and I realized I was, like, sad, like, a, like, like, like somebody, like that. If you've seen any of the Harry Potter movies, I know all of y'all ain't seen them joints. That's okay. But for the ones who did, and you know that he has that cloak of invisibility, it was like somebody threw a cloak of sorrow on me. It's just like, whoosh. It's like, man, Lord, wow. So I think I had a meeting to that I was going to participate in that day. And I told them, like, nah, I'm, I'm not going to participate in that meeting. Because it felt like, because of that cloak, <laughs> it felt like, uh, you know, that's probably not the best use of my time. Like, I don't know where this is going for me. I don't know how I can serve my, my cousin. But I just want to be available 
So this is just me. So you, you, you don't have to do this. You're not going to do this because you're not here. Your situation may be different, but um, different in this way. My cousin uh, used to live in, in Southeast. Um, so, um, and it's the kind of cousin, I hear some people laughing. It's the kind of cousin that made Southeast what it was. Yes, 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 that cousin. That cousin that, that I'm glad I'm his cousin. Like, I'm glad I'm not just somebody else. Like, I'm glad there will never be beef between us, ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I am dead serious. Well, I'm not dead, but I'm serious. Yeah. So I go over, and it's been years since I've been to the house. So all the while I'm driving, I'm just thinking about, dang, man, he just lost him. Oh, I'm sorry, and I didn't even, I forgot. I'm sorry, I forgot that just like a couple months before his son passed, his father passed. So I'm processing all that, like how that must feel. And like, man, you know, I don't, I don't think he's a believer. He's not walking with the Lord. And so I went over, I lived close enough, was still technically on sabbatical. So that meeting I canceled wasn't with one of y'all. It was with someone else. Um, but I get over there and I'm like, man, which one is the house? Because they had changed the road and all kinds of things. So I just sit out there wondering which one is. Then I thought, okay, let me call him. His number is different now. It's been that long since I talked to him. And then I just prayed for him and asked the Lord to help him. I texted his sister. She sent me his number and just told me, like, look, he's not really, he's not answering calls or anything. So I just decided, okay, I'm not going to call. I'm just going to text him. A couple minutes later, he called me. There wasn't much I could say to him. The only thing I knew I could do was let him know that I was there for him. And he asked for prayers, and so I told him, yes, I'd be praying for him. And then it's just been continuing to pray and continuing to ask the Lord to help us, help me walk in a way that pleases him, help my cousin to come to him. Because there are no easy answers. Again, as stated earlier, God does not give us all the answers. So, that, so, I, so it's therefore, I'm not going to pretend that he gives all the answers. I'm going to let you know, like, I'm, I'm with you. Jesus did not tell Martha and Mary why Lazarus died. He didn't say that. He did not say it. Now, we know in the book of John that Jesus would make statements about who he was, and then he would show you who he is. So, so yes, so he said, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Then he showed them, but I don't know if they caught that, right? Like, we catch that because it's all together in, in the canon of Scripture. But we, what we need to do is we need to do also what Jesus did. What did Jesus do when he was in the garden? What did he, so, so how can this work? So, so with me, just to wrap that, close it off. So what I did was I embraced my emotions, processed, tried to process them as thoroughly as I could at the time, and then prayed about them, and then did what I could. 
So what could I do? I could go see my cousin. I could text my cousin. I could try to be there for my cousin. Those are things that I could do, right? Now, we don't always have things we can do. Maybe all we can do is just say, Lord, this really hurts. Would you please help me? If that's what you can do, if, if that's all you can do, do that, please. If you need to tell somebody, tell somebody. But tell somebody not just with an ear for, um, for, for, you know, not just for them to be with you. Like, you know what? Pain does not allow us to say anything that comes to our mind. When I say anything, I'm talking about just whatever comes to my mind, I'm going to say. No. I'll have grace for people then to a certain degree. I mean, I'm going to be respectful. But if you, if you, if you, I'm going to be there for you in terms of listening. But I know that ultimately what's needed is, prob- is beyond me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to know that it's beyond me. So I'm going to pray for you. I'll share some passages with you that hopefully, like, God might be in what I'm sharing. But we need to be like Peter, who was like, hey, you know what? I'm not, I don't have anywhere to go. Lord, is when the Lord says, oh, hey, will you lead? It's like we don't have anywhere to go. You can't say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, leaving the Lord. Like, don't. If you say that to me, I'm, I'm. I can't stand by and let people say stuff like that. But I heard I hear people say that. Not not our people. I hear people say stuff like that or, or whatever. And so I'm so the Lord is mature enough to handle all of that. I, I'm not really mature enough to handle that. I'm just gonna let you know. Yeah. I mean I'll be there, but I'll I'll and I'm not I won't I won't disrespect anybody. But I'm gonna help you to try to like look up to the hills from which cometh our help. That's what, that's what I'm going to try to do. Because even in Jesus' situation, Jesus did all he could do. So after he talks to them, to his friends, and say, like, amen. Yeah, well, this is what he says in, in, in Matthew 26, 44 and 46. It says, after leaving them, so he, he notices that they sleeping on him, right? So, so he talks to them about that, and then it says, after leaving them, He went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. It's not that something new needs to be said or needs to be done. You just need to keep doing what you know you're supposed to do. And by supposed to do, what I mean, I don't mean like the Lord is like, hey, you missed step three. Man, you go return to go and start over. No, he's not doing that. But what I'm saying is that, like like accessing and transacting with God, engaging with God, it's, we already know it's his word, right? It's prayer. We know there can be fasting. We know there can be other things, but primarily it's not rocket science. We don't like that we have to do the same thing over again because what did it do last time? Jesus doesn't take that approach, though. Not only did he pray a third time, Matthew says he said the same thing once more. He just, we don't have cassettes anymore, but like whatever we have now that just goes back to 
just repeat this. Play the same song in Spotify, just one. Just, okay, hear that song. Okay, same song. Okay, next song. Oh, okay, no, it's not the next song. It's the same song. Okay, man, I put it on one. The, it, same thing. So we, we embrace our emotions, recognize them for what they are. We submit those to God like Jesus did. We understand just in terms of our mindset that, you know what, this sorrow, excuse me, sorry, I'm getting like my preacher I grew up with. Um, this sorrow that I have is not all consuming. It's strong. It's like one of the strong aromas in my life, but it's not everything about my life. It's not everything about my life. And so there's, I don't like, anyway, it's, it's like if you think about Thanksgiving, that just happened like in December. In my house, there are like a combination of smells, baby. Like greens, which don't really smell good getting cooked, right? <laughs> but they taste good. They don't taste like they smell. Uh, and and then, there, then, then there's, there's the, the, the meat, the ham or whatever. In my house, there are a few meats, but like I say, it's the hams. Or you see the glaze on the ham being made. Or you see a, so there, there, there's more going on than just one thing. Our lives are like that when it comes to like, you know, sorrow. Yeah, it's there, man. But it's not all, it shouldn't be all consuming. It may even be dominant at one time, but it's not all consuming of who I am or what I'm about because I am a child of God, right? And, and, and that's going to play out in, in like how we look to the future because our future is much better than what we're going through right now. Right? Yeah. And we need to remember that. We need to remember that. We need to remember that. We must remember that. But Jesus went and did this, went and prayed a third time, and he said the same thing. Then it says, verse 45, then he came to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? See, the time is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Then, verse 46, get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is at hand. So Jesus, he, he, he knows, he has his emotions, he submits them to God, he submits them to God again, he submits them to God again, and then at some point it's verse 46. You have to continue on. You have to face reality, right? My betrayer is here. He's not like, hey, let's go. Here they come. Let's go. No. It's like, uh, let's uh, get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. So he, he can't run from his situation. We can't run from our situations. We have to face those, right? We, we Usually it seems like, this is just a, a very subjective, right? But it seems like there are things we go through, and some oftentimes there's a test related to, to that. See, you know, and at least in my life, when it's like I don't pass the test, it seems like the same test comes. It might look a little different, but it's, it comes again, right? It comes again. So, so we have to face this thing. We, whatever it is, we have to face it. And you know what? We're not going to be able to face every single thing that could come. My cousin, he can't, he can't bring his children back. My brother can't do that either. So facing it doesn't mean that things get like the same, the way they were. But it does mean that we move forward from where we are. 
So what do we do? We bring our emotions to the Lord. We let what we know about God from his word inform how we are going to respond to our emotions. We pray according to God's will that way. We, hopefully, we have some friends that we can tell and bring along with us in the prayer process, just as Jesus did. And hopefully, hopefully they won't sleep and rest on us. prayer, the informing my mind with what God calls me to, it won't remove my situation, so I'm going to have to face it. But I'll face it informed with the word of God, the prayers of the saints, and a reminder that God is with me, even though I really don't like this situation right here. And another thing that we need to do as we need to remember our promised future. Our promised future. One encouraging thing about the story of Lazarus and the rich man is that it seemed like, no, it didn't seem like this. God remembered Lazarus's suffering and it impacted eternity for Lazarus. So when the rich man wants to, um, he, he wants to, you know, come over to where Lazarus is. And Abraham tells him, like, uh, remember that, you know, when you guys were alive, that you received your good things. Um, and Lazarus, he received bad. But now he is comforted here. God, it's not like he doesn't see. It's not like he doesn't take note. It's not like he's not with you. So remember that the present suffering for the believer, there's eternal reward connected to that, that God sees what's going on. And in Revelation, when he's given, when he's talking to the churches, God knows what's going on, right? He, he knows what, what's going well, and he knows what's not going well, right? And he's able to, to objectively uh, 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 reward like that which is good and give consequence for that which is bad. So we need to remember that there's comfort. Comfort is coming. Comfort is coming. We need to remember, remember even as we closed out the last time we were together, we, meaning I was with you, on the 7th of November, that, you know, it is, it is the Apostle Paul alluded to this a few times, that, you know, the present sufferings that we experience, they can't even be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. See, we need to remember these things, not just know them when we, when we hear them, like in a song that we like or in, 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 in the met, but like they need to function for us in the midst of like the battle, right? They need to, they need to function. They need to help us to bob and weave and remember like, yeah, like, you know, yeah, comfort is coming. I guess glory that I can't even imagine like is coming. And we need to remember, I, 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 I'm, I'm just falling more and more in love with Revelation just because that just, you know, it's the, it's the sort of the end of the story, right? 
time, but Revelation 21, 3 and 4. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God will himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Do not forget what awaits us. Like like one day, there won't be any grief at all. No pain at all. Can you imagine that? Well, for me, imagine is all I can do. (laughs) Because I see pain and I see grief now. But I look forward to that day when those things won't be anymore. And they won't affect my cousin, my brother, my church members, myself, my mom, my, well, no, no, my enemies won't be here, so. (laughs) I don't know who they are anyway. They don't don't mess with me like that. (laughs) We want to run with endurance through this season of sorrow. Seasons change. Remember that. So though this be a season of sorrow, remember that <laughs> another, another little cliche, but uh, I'm beginning to understand uh, that they are like, like uh, proverbs. They're proverbial. But, um, yeah, seasons change. You know, seasons, they change. This too, they say, will pass. That's the cliche. That's the proverbial phrase, right? This too, whatever this is, it it will pass. But it can do more than pass because the Lord is with us and he has purpose. He has purpose in what we're going through um, right now. And so we do not need to, um, we do not need to be distracted by, um, looking at whether or not questions are coming in right now. That's what we don't need to be distracted by. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, we don't need to, we, we need to make sure that we remember that, you know what, this season will pass, but the Lord is with us in this season. So we will engage him and allow him to engage our emotions and work through our emotions uh, in a biblical way, which is informed, meaning we're informed by scripture and by giving our situation and our emotions to the Lord to do with as he pleases so that we're walking his will out as his people. So let us keep running and if you have to slow down do not get off the course even if you have to walk a little bit. And when you pray just remember that that is God carrying you forward. So Lord we do pray. We do pray. We ask you to help us We ask you to help us with our own emotions. 
We ask you that we would submit them. You would help us to submit them to you. We ask you that you would please bring, bring scripture that we've heard, that we've read, that we've hidden in our heart. Bring it to the forefront to confront some of the, 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 the ways that emotion will want to take over. Lord, let us not allow it to take over, even as your word says. Let us, if we're angry, be angry and not sin. Would you help us to allow your word to inform our reaction to our emotions but Lord may we not ignore our emotions may we be like our Lord Jesus who was able to embrace but able to submit and may we communicate with anyone who can help us so that you're glorified and at the end of it all though we will have done it in a way that is not perfect we will still hear the words well done because we continued on and we persevered and endured even through seasons of sorrow so Lord be with us help us move in our lives and in this church Lord may we even be used may we even be faithful friends who won't fall asleep and be resting, but we'll definitely pray. And Lord, may we have, uh, as Isaiah said, like, may we have um, words for weary souls, Lord, that would encourage them. And Lord, may people see that those words are ultimately from you and not of us. Lord, we ask you this in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much for the privilege to be your children and for the privilege to be brothers and sisters with these who are in you. In Christ's name we pray and we thank you.